In my circles, there's a lot of talk about compassion. Compassion for others, for yourself. There's even compassion fatigue. What does that all mean? Welcome to Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. My name is Susie Parker Goins. I'm a channel, energy healer, guide, teacher. I upload weekly. I cover a variety of metaphysical topics, exploring self-growth and how it can help you on your path. And I'll include a relevant meditation experience. You can find me on the web at bluelightninghealing.com or email me at susie at bluelightninghealing.com. That's S-U-S-Y at bluelightninghealing.com. Please like, comment, subscribe, favorite, donate to my Ko-fi account, share with your friends, share the love. Thank you. All right now, compassion. Compassion literally means to suffer together. It's an emotion that motivates people to help out when they see someone else who's in pain or is experiencing a difficult situation. You want to help. You feel compelled to help. The Greater Good magazine out of the University of California at Berkeley indicates that there is a relationship between compassion, empathy, and altruism. And I found that similarity, that relationship, really interesting. Compassion, as I just defined it, is sensing another person's pain and feeling compelled or wanting to help. Empathy is the ability to feel another person's emotions. It can be a gift or it can be a distraction from one's own healing. It can be managed as empathy can be overwhelming at times. And there are ways to handle it. There's, there's a link somewhere in the description box for those episodes and meditations. And then there's altruism. That's helping another without feeling the feels or having that expectation of return. While you may feel compassion for someone else's situation, you can act from kindness, from the heart, because you can. Not that you feel like you have to, you just do. You can see those concepts are related, uh, overlap like a Venn diagram, but they're not the same. Today we're going to focus on compassion. I have defined it as understanding another person's troubles and feeling compelled or wanting to help them out somehow. And showing compassion takes a lot of different forms. It can be as simple as just understanding someone's situation. There was once I was, saw a woman at a store and she had a toddler who had quite the goosing on her forehead, this big bump. And my question to her was, learning to walk? The sigh she let out and that visible relaxing her body did, it showed me, it let me know how tense she was about any encounter. You know, afraid of being judged for something that was not her fault, but a natural part of a child's growth. My question showed her that I wasn't thinking the absolute worst about her. I used my experience as a mom to understand. Another time, someone very close to me opened up about their depression. They live in another state. So what I could do was to answer their calls whenever the phone rang. I listened. I stayed on the phone as they filled out paperwork, and I cheered them on for even the smallest accomplishments. There are lots of ways you can act from a place of compassion. It can be giving a ride to a friend for an important book, for an important for an important appointment. <laughs> That's harder to say than I thought. <laughs> so giving a ride to a friend for an important appointment. Being the nice customer at a grocery store. 
waving at a kid. I mean, we're all wearing masks, so they can't see the, the smile, but you can wave at them. Whether you're checking in, listening to, whether you send Reiki, energy, or love, it all counts. And compassion is not always impulsive, like lunging out to pull Timmy out of the well. You may need to take a step back and assess your reactions, your emotions, or the situation. Taking the time to ask if someone needs the help or even wants your help. I open my sessions with, so how can I help you today? Giving the space to the client to think about what they want or need in the moment, all the while setting that intention that our space is sacred and safe. Then they can receive the help. They can be open to receive that help. Now, are there times, could there be times when compassion is not appropriate? I think so. I mean, what about a toxic relationship? Do you feel compassion for the abuser? Oh, it's how they were brought up. It's what they know. They hurt you because they love you. Are those reasons to excuse or to accept the behavior? To give them a pass? I would say no. I, I feel compassion for the person on the receiving end. And that would be the time I would offer to help. There was a time someone approached a friend of me and said their situation was awful. So my friend and I, we kicked into gear to find resources for this person. We looked, we called all the things we did, and we had options to offer up to this other person. It was on them to accept it or not. And it's not on me to force anyone, to make anyone accept help. I still learn a lot from situations. So all that's fine and dandy for helping other people, but what about you? Where is your compassion for yourself? Are you open to being on the receiving end of another person's compassion? I mean, some of us, okay, a lot of us have a history of putting ourselves last or being told that we're not worthy of compassion or care. And for whatever reason, we believe it. What happens then? Well, about a month ago, I announced I was taking a break from podcasting. I had gotten to the point to where I was feeling so much pressure to perform that my old pattern of waiting until the last minute was no longer working for me. Not if I was going to produce useful content. After that podcast went out, some listeners reached out to me and expressed their concern. I felt their compassion. And it wasn't the first time I have experienced other people's compassion. I went, I went through cancer treatment for 17 months in 2013 and 2014. That outpouring of love and support still brings tears to my eyes and fills my heart. Folks helped in the best ways they could. Yeah, my husband and children were there, loving and dealing with the trauma in their own ways. But there were others, so many others. An acquaintance, I didn't know her really well, but she drove me to Wednesday appointments. Other people brought food to the house or posted pictures of flowers. They called, they visited, checked in. One dear friend even sent me chocolate. All the people show 
of compassion helped me through an incredibly rough time. I felt so supportive and loved. I got through it. Certainly not on my own, but I got, got through it with the help of others. And I continue to be grateful for all that love. Now on the other side of it, in the course of my experience, I did feel judgment to those who I thought should have helped. I am still human, you know. And it is, it is with the distance of time I realize not everyone was emotionally equipped to help in a manner I may have expected or wanted them to. I want to unpack this for you and for me. I felt judgment. (laughs) Yeah, there were people among my friends who didn't step up or who were offended by the way I was coping and pulling in support. Maybe they were afraid of the situation, overwhelmed. Uh, Cancer is scary. Believe me, I know. One tuned in and said that their support wasn't needed. Now, I would have argued otherwise considering our history, but there you have it. A couple of people even wrote me off for dead before anything even really happened. Oh, yeah. A guy was surprised when I showed up at one of his gigs. He said, oh, glancing over at my kids, uh, I thought you were in for the dirt nap. The dirt nap. Well, needless to say, I don't bother with somebody who underestimates me by so much. Maybe that's harsh, but really now. And then there was the big F cancer campaign. I thought it was glorious. Pictures of friends and strangers, even archival photos of celebrities flipping the bird in my honor. And that picture of the spray painting on the attic wall of somebody's work site? And the saguaro, that's another one, the saguaro cactus. It heartened me to know I wasn't the only one angry about the cancer and about all of it. Some people were offended by that word being on my social media so much. I told them, okay, you can scroll on by. And it's also okay when others said that their employers would not look kindly on finding pictures of them flipping off cancer. I get it. I really do. For that range of experience we have in this life, the spectrum of reactions is to be expected and honored. (laughs) But the overwhelming feeling of love and support I got from everyone carried me through the hell of those 17 months. They all helped in a variety of ways that took me some time to understand. And I did say there are some I no longer count as friends. Judgmental? Yeah, maybe. For my own peace of mind? Definitely. Okay, so enough about me. I ask you again, what about you? What about you? Yes, you deserve compassion too. Whether you are on the receiving end of compassion or actually make the effort to show yourself compassion, you deserve all the love and kindness source in all of its forms has for you. I talked about me not indulging, but showing myself compassion by taking a break to take time to find inspiration. But how do you show yourself compassion? We also call it self-care. But what does that look like? Well, letting go of people who do not support you is a start. 
I let some folks loose who didn't share my vision of survival. Sure, the situation was pretty intimidating, but to say you thought I was dead? Or to talk to me as if you were saying a final goodbye? Come on! <laughs> okay, self-care. Let's talk about the benefits. Psychology Today lists a lot of benefits, and I quote, People who have self-compassion also have greater social connectedness, emotional intelligence, happiness, and overall life satisfaction. Self-compassion has also been shown to correlate with less anxiety, depression, shame, and the fear of failure, unquote. So, giving yourself love means you're better able to handle the curveballs that life throws at you. You talk to yourself nicer. You, you care for yourself. You care how you end up. I want to ask you to think of a reason you deserve compassion, why you deserve to take care of yourself that actually that actually means something to you. Think about it. What healing do you want, need, or deserve? And I do use the word deserve a lot because you do. <laughs> because self-worth is intrinsic to self-care and self-compassion. So, what can you do to take care of yourself? It doesn't have to be huge or expensive. It just needs to have you focus on yourself. I really like my time before I set myself up in front of the laptop to do my things. You can give me coffee, sometimes a pastry from my favorite bakery, even my favorite game on my phone. I take that time for me. That's the way I start my day. Well, what about you? Maybe it isn't in the morning. Maybe you really enjoy ending your day with a hot shower or a long soak. Maybe you deserve to end your day with a hot shower or a long soak. Look at the stars, reading before lights out. Taking a walk. How about a cup of a favorite beverage? I mean, I like tea. But what nighttime ritual can you establish to release the stresses of the day and get your mind and body ready for the peaceful, restful sleep you deserve? <laughs> what else can you do to make yourself feel valued or worthwhile? You know, treat yourself somehow. Boy, I love my crystals. I probably even have a box in the mail coming to me, even as we speak. <laughs> what else can you do, say, or think that helps you? Do you make it a practice? What about yoga, meditation, reikifying, or, or you know, energizing yourself? What loving self-talk do you use? thinking something positive or kind about yourself. It doesn't have to be huge. It just needs to be from your heart. In my quest for better self-image, I started, <laughs> I started, I focused on my right ankle. No, really, I did. I, there was henna standing with that ankle forward and all. I, it was a start. And my positive self-talk improved. I realized I could thank my body for surviving so much stuff. It, there's a meme out there that asks how you talk to yourself. Would you talk to your friends the way you talk to yourself? Do you say uplifting and encouraging things to your friends? Why not apply that same standard to yourself? I think there can also be a self-forgiveness component to this. 
Now, I've defined forgiveness as reclaiming my energy from another, not condoning or letting anything slide, just me releasing their energy or returning their energy to them and reclaiming my own. I have a friend and colleague, Chris Windwalker Erickson. She wrote a book called Energetic Self-Defense. It's only available as a Kindle kind of thing, and this is not sponsored. It's just a really good book. Anyway, she includes a ritual during which you confront whoever or whatever you want to reclaim your energy from, demand it back, and then return that energy that's not yours to whatever it is, and then move on. In this case, reclaiming your energy from, well, anyone who tried to snuff out your light is a good start. There's also inner child work you can look into. Talking to that younger version of yourself to let them know they are safe with you in the now. That can happen in a variety of forums, whatever format or whoever you feel safe and comfortable to do that deep dive work with. Give any of this a try. And it may take more than a couple of tries. It may take some time. That's okay. Some wounds are really deep. Some of them will require a lot of attention. Oh, and love. Give yourself that time and space. Yeah, a side note, it is self-care when you allow yourself the space and time to process and to heal these things. Oh, and I did mention compassion fatigue at the top of the episode. Let's look at that, okay? I continue to call these interesting times, air quotes and all. But in these interesting times, we have seen and experienced a lot of compassion fatigue. It can be most readily seen through the experiences of first responders, essential workers, people who are in the midst of helping others with traumatic circumstances. And there is so much trauma going around. My sensitive and empathic friends are being affected even as they stay at home and self-isolate. The trauma is real and anyone can feel it. So emotional and physical fatigue is only a couple of the effects of compassion fatigue. Oh, and, and fatigue? It's that bone deep feeling of tiredness, hopelessness, and when will it be over? But wait, there's more. From the website, thesafetything.com, it's a Canadian website focused at essential workers. It had some really fabulous content. They list that emotional effects of compassion fatigue is not limited to feeling overwhelmed or powerless. You can be angry, sad, anxious, feelings of detachment from your surroundings, from the people around you, from what you do, a physical and emotional and psychological exhaustion, burnout. Your empathy can shut down and you can experience extremes in sensitivity, whether you go way over the limit of being sensitive or you shut down. It can affect your thinking whether you're constantly thinking about the trauma everyone else is going through, or you blame yourself for not being able to do anything about it, that you can't make a difference. There can be changes in your beliefs about yourself, about others, or about the world. You feel like you can't do anything. You can't see, you can't concentrate. You can't focus or decide. And it makes you physically uncomfortable too, whether it's headaches, stomach upset, insomnia, nightmares feeling stressed out, and then your behaviors can be affected. 
social anxiety or physical withdrawal. You can experience relationship conflicts, feelings of inadequacy about everything, the loss of interest in activities that had previously given you joy. I'm, I'm not surprised if a lot of us are experiencing compassion fatigue now. I am. <laughs> it's hard being in body sometimes. I understand. But what I want to do is to wind this episode up with actionable items, as they are called. Not just from the safety thing, but to reiterate what we talked about earlier. First and foremost, be aware of the symptoms. Be mindful of what you are feeling or how you're thinking. It's that mindfulness that brings you an awareness of your symptoms. And if you're experiencing those thoughts or negative feelings, yeah, yeah, pay attention to that. When, when you're feeling this anxiety, I encourage folks to, to focus on your breathing. If you can take time to at least pay attention to how you're breathing, whether it's chest breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, if you can, breathe with intention. I call it infinity breathing, and you can breathe in love. First, no, you know what? First, be mindful of the breathing and slow it down. Do that diaphragmatic breathing where your belly expands and contracts. And then if you're able to assign an intention to it, like I breathe in love and I breathe out this, a chunk of this anxiety, you know, whether you can breathe it all out at once, from my experience, that doesn't happen <laughs> all at once. But if you can breathe in love and breathe out some of that anxiety, if you need to do it in sets of three, that's great. That helps. As long as you're becoming more conscious, it allows you to be more mindful of yourself, um, to feel centered and grounded. Other things are you can use visual reminders to stay connected with yourself and to remember and appreciate the good and the positive. This is good from the safetything.com. Keep negativity in proper perspective. Being stressed out can cause little things to look big and really big things to not have an impact. It's that shift in perspective the breathing helps you with. So here are more suggestions from the safetything.com. Be aware of these symptoms. Be mindful of your thoughts, feelings, any kind of change you're experiencing. Focus on your breathing. Yeah, I know I just gave you the infinity breath. So I really can't emphasize the importance of conscious breathing enough. Keep negativity. You know, put negativity in a proper perspective. Being stressed out can cause minor situations to explode into massive issues or big issues to, to be relegated to, to be blown off. Uh, other practices, let's say, um, realistic goals, setting realistic goals and expectations and being able to roll with it when circumstances change. And if that means you don't meet the goals, still congratulate yourself for getting something done. If that's just eating something or breathing that next moment, it works. You can take it in. We can go into the realm of eating healthy, doing some physical exercise, being kind to yourself, engaging in proper sleep habits. So, you know, I, it's easy to say, but we talked earlier about what can you do to help with your sleep, whether that's evening routine or being mindful of your thought processes, help um, your breathing thought processes. I listen to meditation videos. 
and actually the one that has been really helping me is called the water song it's a, a, a tribal and native american lullaby and that helps me a lot uh, also seek social support that uplifts you seek professional help if you need it it's okay there's no shame in being in therapy um, schedule meaningful activities go to these online events where you're talking to people who share your experience or somebody's asking a question and the answer shared is something everybody can get use out of keep a sense of humor it sure helped me it continues to help me if I look at things just a little bit skewy thanks for listening I light a candle every day for anyone in need of some light and until next time blessings